Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. For me, um, growing up without a father, it was more like I didn't miss what I didn't have. I didn't feel like I was missing something. I didn't see a lot of people who had good relationships with their father or strong men in their lives. So I didn't know the value of what I didn't have because there was nothing to measure to. Matriarchs are the, are the head of the families, you know, in African-American families, very, you know, commonly in my generation. So, you know, that was everything. I, I was enough, my mom was enough, aunts and uh, grandma was enough, you know, just denial of, of anything. I don't need it, I'm fine. You know, I just did not value what men brought to the table because I, I just didn't understand what it was. It was never directly towards him. I just didn't want to give him thought or time or emotion because he didn't give that to me, so it was defensive. When I got married, I began to see where there was a void in valuing what fathering brought to your life as a woman, as a wife, even in community. Um, when I began to see some of those things um, in my husband, I really didn't know how to, how to take them. When he expressed love in a way that was in a fathering way or, or the way that men express love, like um, protection and provision. I, initially, early in our marriage, I felt uh, defensive about it. Like he was trying to control me or tell me what to do. I wasn't familiar with that kind of love being expressed from uh, someone who wants to take care of you from a man. I didn't, it just was unfamiliar to me. I reconnected with my father as a prompt from God. I was 30 years old and had just had my third baby and I was driving in my car and one of the few times I felt like I heard what was audible not in my ears but in my spirit was God say, you need to deal with the anger, bitterness, and resentment towards your father. But what I said to God was, what are you talking about? I had been so apathetic. I had approached it from the position of, he doesn't warrant an emotional response from me because I don't know him. He hasn't been there. So it was just protective in the way that I dealt with it. And so um, there was a lot of prayer and fasting. And so after a few months, God prompted me to write a letter that I never mailed, um, just pouring out my heart as God kind of helped me unpack these things. Uh, confessions, repentance, because um, in those years when I did talk to my father, which wasn't often, there was a lot of disrespect. And God said that even though he wasn't there, even though there were shortcomings, honor and respect need to be given to the position. And so I understood that, and I did um, in that letter. And then towards the end of the year, the Holy Spirit prompted me to call him, and I hadn't talked to him in years. It was very emotional, even though I tried to hide my emotion on the phone. And then during the conversation, God said, ask him to come home. He was, he lives in California, and uh, he hadn't been to Florida in a long, long time. So I asked him if he would come home 
the response was if I had just asked him for a drink of water, he was like, sure. And it blew me away and I was just like, wow. And so that was the end of 2003 and he flew in um, in February of 2004 and I saw him for the first time after almost two decades. In my mind and in my heart, it was going to be this reconciliation. You know, it was he was going to be Cl Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, he was not. He's very much not a Cliff Huxtable. And so that took some, um, that was sobering. And it wasn't just a straight ascending line to, you know, reunited, happily ever after father-daughter relationship. There were ups and downs. There have been ups and downs. So here just recently, um, my father shared with me um, some thoughts he had about me as a kid, that he thought I was always tenacious and that he admired me from afar and seeing my life, which via most of what he sees is social media, which is of course all the best things. So seeing me from that um, perspective, he is proud and um, thinks a lot of me. So that meant a lot to me. But one thing that did happen was um, I met his sister and as a result, I got to learn about his origin story, why he was who he was. I heard stories about his mother. I had never heard him talk about his mother, but his sister shared with me their story, and which was so powerful and really um, gave light to who he was and how he became who he was. So it allowed me to give more grace, to have more compassion, to have more empathy, to be more patient. God grew me that way. That was definitely a gift as a result of the reconciliation. Did you give it up for Natasha Sievers sharing that powerful story? Thank you, Marcel. Powerful story. Uh, this month we have the privilege of having not only Natasha, but Amber Lloyd share a couple of things, not only today, but also next, next week for Father's Day as we really move in this um, new series called Arrows in the Hand of a Warrior. Uh, today we call, we're calling the message The Archer and His Arrows. And I think through the month it'll become more self-explanatory. Would you open your Bibles to Psalm 127, verse 4. This is our main text. This is from a different translation than last week. Just to give you a well-rounded view. Psalm 127, verse 4, the message says, Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you, parents, with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off your doorstep. Love that. Romans 8, 15 from the message says this, This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are. Father and children. Some of you might know that passage from other translations where the Bible says we have no bondage again to fear because we've been given the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Finally, Isaiah 49 from God's Word translation says this in verse one. Listen to me, you islands. 
Pay attention, you people far away. Before I was born, the Lord chose me. While I was in my mother's womb, he recorded my name. He made my tongue like a sharp sword and hid me in the palm of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow and hid me in his quiver. Let's pray one more time. Father God, we honor you as our heavenly father. Would you come and move in this place through the word of the Lord, the name of your son Jesus and the power of your spirit. Bring healing and wholeness today. Bring things full circle that need to be mended and work in our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. As we talk about arrows in the hand of a warrior this month, I hope you get the point. Last week, we talked about our summer of recovery and a thought about cocoons and catalysts, the transformation by mind renewal incurs in the New Testament. The word is metamorphosis. It's about a complete and total change from one type of creature or species into a brand new one. And that is promised to us through Christ when we're saved, that we become new creations. We're talking about positioning ourselves for PTG, post-traumatic growth, instead of post-traumatic disorder. We said last week that your picture of God hidden in your heart will determine the outcome of your life. So as we move forward today, we talk about the word father. What does that word mean to you? As you could hear in Natasha's story, being raised without a father in the home, without his presence there, gave her a certain perspective of life that began to change after she gave her heart to the Lord and after she was married, it began to see that there was something she, that God was dealing with that she needed mended. She needed wholeness. And our February theme a few months ago called Family Matters, I cited the massive statistics on the fruit of fatherlessness in our nation. Horrendous stats of suicide, depression, addiction, prison. The only way to recovery is through the healing power of Jesus Christ. Often that pathway includes some type of reconciliation, peace of some sort with your dad. I really appreciated what Natasha said about hoping that her dad was Cliff Huxtable. One of the saddest things I had to think about when she said that was that it turns out that Cliff Huxtable wasn't Cliff Huxtable. That today Bill Cosby sits in a prison, blind, in his 80s because of crimes against women. Wow. Hollywood can sure build an image, can it? But it's not the truth. Peel mentioned something in his preaching a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> about the Lord's Prayer, and it really hit me when he said the perfect prayer, Jesus said, begins with our Father, not just my Father, but our Father collectively, that we are born again to a living hope by the seed of God himself. Salvation happens when you 
hear the word. And the Bible says the word is the living word. Is the, is, it, is, it is the spora, the Greek word spora or seed or sperma. It is the literal, it is the seed of God. When you got saved, you didn't do it by yourself. You didn't have a good idea one day. You didn't think, oh, I need God. The seed of God, you heard the word. Somebody was praying for you and some word, his living word came forth and germinated, pollinated, if you will, in your heart. And you, when you said yes, that, thing, that deal was closed. And you began a journey. You didn't end a journey, you began a journey. Too many people in churches promote a gospel where we pray a prayer. And then look forward to heaven, but we live through hell on earth. When the Bible says we're to live a kingdom life, that's a powerful life. I want you to know that God loves you like a father loves his own child. I want to say that again because I feel it's for somebody. Maybe you're in the room, maybe you're watching today. God loves you like a father loves his own child. And maybe you didn't see that in your biological father, but it doesn't change the truth. God loves like the best parent loves, unconditionally, seeing the best and the potential, hoping he doesn't have to discipline, but willing to discipline to bring that best out. The Word of God compares the intimate relationship of a father or a parent and his children with an archer and his arrows. I love that text. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, I do want to say this, that um, the quiver, technically speaking, has five arrows in Jewish tradition. So if you have less than five kids, you need to go after more spiritual kids. I'll never forget when my wife and I were younger, before we got married and had our first child, I told her my dream was to have six kids and that I wanted each of them to sing and play an instrument and we would become the Partridge family or the Brady Bunch and travel throughout the land. That was my picture as a little boy I knew I, I knew I wanted to be a father before I knew I ever wanted to be a husband. I, I knew fathering was in my life. And uh, I was always affected by father-son relationship stuff. And, and, and so seeing those stories when I was a, a little guy, those were the two most popular TV shows on when I was little, Partridge Family and the Brady Bunch. Um, and then we had one son. And then I said, maybe two would be good. And I love my son, but uh, has anybody ever had a strong-willed child? Yeah. So anyway, we had this, we, we've done some renovation done at our house, and the painter was there the other day, and he knows my son. He said, how old is your son? I'm trying to figure it out. I said, well, he's 40. He said, well, how old are you? I said, I'm 60. He goes, oh, man, I thought you were 45. He said, I was trying to figure out how you could have a son... I said, well, it's not possible to have a son 40 then, is it? I said, well, I I, I'm going to hire you to paint more rooms. That's what I said. <laughs> Probably why he said it that way. But it's funny because your perspective changes. Now, we just had 
the Schmidt family add twins a couple of weeks ago to their four already. So they now are fulfilling my dream of having six. And God bless you. And we pray for you as a church that you will be blessed in this wonderful time with these twins. They're a sweet, sweet family. The next generation, the young people alive right now are in the heart of God because they are in the crosshairs of diabolical plans of darkness. An archer and his arrows have a relationship, a warrior and his weapons. I've heard that in military boot camp, you develop a bond with your rifle. You're trained to eat, sleep, and walk with it. You learn how to take it apart and put it back together when you're drowsy. You've got to know that weapon. The archer is even more involved because he chooses and often makes his own arrows. A true archer prepares his arrows and knows that their whole purpose for the arrows is to hit the target when they're launched. The whole purpose of those arrows is to hit the target when they're launched, to hit that bullseye. And so they have to be straight and true. The archer takes crooked pieces of wood, soaks them in water till they feel like they're going to drown until they become soft and pliable, then stretches them one at a time and dries them until they're strong and hardened, ready for battle, ready for the arrowhead to be connected and the feathers put on for balance. And yet I just described the whole teaching there of what happens in the Christian life where you're going, God, what is going on? Why are you, why is this happening? Why is this going on? What's happening with my life? Maybe you are being dunked under the water so that you will be soft and pliable, so that you won't be so stubborn, won't be just so self-willed. Maybe you've been set on the shelf to dry. God, have you forgotten about me? I thought I was ready for something. I thought I was, was going to accomplish your purpose. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And God says, no, I know when you're ready. If I put that arrowhead on you and those feathers and launch you too quickly, you'll never hit the target or you'll split apart in the air. The Lord is preparing you to hit the mark of your destiny. Right now in your life and mine, God loves his kids. You will fulfill your destiny. I read something recently from Dutch Sheets that really blessed me. It was on the invention of the arrow. He said that, quote, the invention of the arrow fundamentally changed warfare in the ancient times. Prior to the bow and arrow, men had had to fight battles face to face. A warrior could only inflict damage within the range of their own fist or the few dozen feet of an accurately thrown spear. Effectiveness in battle was limited to the immediate environment. But the bow and arrow changed everything. Suddenly a man could fire an arrow further and faster than he could run. He could inflict punishment on the enemy at great distance, perhaps even over a hill and out of line of sight. He could wage war where he himself could not go, end of quote. Never thought of that before. 
In what way are we as God's kids His arrows? He has fired us into the future. He is sending us into those places in the four corners of the world to carry His message, to carry His love, to carry His power, messengers of His word. The arrows are game changers in warfare. The identity of the arrow comes from the archer. That's why the father and and child relationship is so important. We have a worldwide identity crisis. And identity theft is not just what they can do to steal your driver's license or your credit cards or your social security number. Identity theft is that the enemy has come to place seeds of darkness and brokenness in the next generation at a young age to try to steal that confidence that comes from knowing that you are who your father says you are. In order to morph into God's best version of you, you and I must begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. So strong that no one else's opinion overrides that. Romans 8, that text that we talked about in the beginning, the whole chapter of Romans 8 is a, is a teaching, it's a, it's a mandate, it's a manifesto about the Holy Spirit that Paul the Apostle wrote to the Romans. And he begins to describe, the, the first verse says that, that there's no, now therefore no condemnation for those in Christ. And it ends with, and nothing, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in between is this whole development of relationship with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 calls him the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Listen, in the Middle East, Abba or Baba is the familiar of Father. It's not, it's not the formal. It's not Father. It's Daddy. By the Holy Spirit, we have an intimacy with Jesus that gives us access to our Heavenly Father and the Spirit of God, that Spirit of adoption. What is adoption? Adoption is a legal process and procedure that brings somebody into a family that says, you, you are part of us and we are part of you and it doesn't matter what the bloodline is because the adoption, the spirit of adoption, listen, is greater than biology. Let me say that again. The spirit of adoption is greater than biology. That's how God heals today. Because in a generation that's experienced more fatherlessness in the last 50 years in America, through divorce, abandonment, rejection, 
It's no wonder the enemy has come in to try to steal and operate within that then to take the hearts of the next generations. Daddy is what you say, not just when you're calling on the patriarch. You know, when you get an injury as a child, you don't go, Mother. Oh, Mother. Oh, Father. I have received a boo-boo. When you're hurt as a kid, and listen, mothers have the radar for it, don't they? they my wife can, could hear when our kids were grown. She could hear, Mom! She could hear it from the other side of the house, down the street, around the corner. It's the gift of God. And all the fathers said, Amen. I can't tell you any things I slept through that my wife heard and responded. And the next morning, I just said, hey, wasn't it a great night? You, you slept all right? Kids slept through the night last night? And she just looked at me. You don't even know what happened in the night. And I didn't. No matter what the enemy of your soul has whispered into your ears, nothing can separate you from the love of your heavenly Father in Christ. Nothing. Do you feel abandoned? Were you ever traumatized by a moment where <clears throat> you thought your parents had left you at a rest stop or at home? I mean, we, we had some friends that we used to hang with that had five kids. And a few different times when we were eating with them, we were one time at this uh, pizza inn having a buffet and we had our kids and their five kids until we realized we looked out and in their van was one of their kids leaning up against the windshield going, ah! They forgot Keith. God never forgets you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. What's our takeaway? Our children are our arrows to the future. Our children are a blessing from the Lord and they are the arrows to our future. Let's cue that next video up. Growing up without a father, uh, it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't have if you've never had it. So I don't think it stuck out to me as far as missing holidays, birthdays, um, just because he wasn't there from the very beginning. I think I first became aware of the void once Justin and I had our daughter. Um, things became obvious or felt different that I never realized I'd missed out on. Going to the park, I didn't know what a mom and dad looked like, what they do, how they behave, how they act. Um, Father's Day, um, getting older, not knowing my medical history or who I look like. So it's moments like that that you realize you didn't have what, you know, the, the normal family had growing up. I'll never forget the day I reconnected with my father. I received a letter in the mail on January 13th, 2009. Dearest Amber, my name is Charles. I believe I'm your biological father. And there's about four or five paragraphs. And I weeped and I weeped and I weeped um, 
for hours and couldn't call people fast enough. It was this moment of not even realizing I was missing out or I needed something so badly, but then to receive a letter. I, it was that moment I realized how much I really needed to know my dad or know about him. Um, but it's definitely a day I'll, I'll never forget. So it's amazing how instantly from having this void um, for 23 years at that time, just one letter changed it all to feel like someone did care. Um, we went through a honeymoon period where we just really got to know one another and filled each other in on our lives and what had happened. Um, then we had to clear up some missing pieces and kind of work through the hard part of the emotions of him not being there throughout my, my childhood. But now it, it's, it's restoration. Like he's a, a great guy, he means well, and I know he loves me and I'm just thankful for the opportunity to get to know him after all these years. I feel our calling to be involved with foster care is a direct response to my upbringing and my childhood. And I just uh, thought, you know, we prayed long and hard about it, but I just thought if we could make a difference in one child's life and just let them know, like, you are worth it and you are loved, then it would be worth it. So to have so many vulnerable children walk through our house and just to know that they were prayed over and that they were loved on made it all worth it. But that was a direct response to my upbringing and it is restoration. And I'm thankful for the prayers that I'll never even know that was prayed over me as a child. But I do know that God heard those prayers and I'm a direct result of answered prayers that those generational curses, um, they're broken. And you know, my marriage is healthy and I could not ask for a better father to my daughter. And so to see it come back full, a hundredfold, it's just, you can't thank God enough for that. Let's get it for Amber Lloyd. What a great blessing that she would share that. They're gonna share more next week. We have another video of the two of them talking about receiving God as Father. It's very, very powerful. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? The Word of God says that to as many as received Him, Jesus, the living Word, gave the power, the right, and the authority to become children of God. To those who receive, adhere to, trust in, and rely upon his name. I don't know what your relationship was like. I don't know if you had a great father. I hope you did. So thankful for my father. Still alive at 82. A great man. How comforted I am when every Sunday night I get to FaceTime my father and thank him and love on him and honor him. It wasn't perfect. He's a great dad, but many people, it was distant. Maybe you were raised in a broken home, went to dads sometimes and moms other times. Maybe there was remarriages and step-parents. It can traumatize even the strongest, brightest kid and place doubts inside their soul about their value, about the love, about whether they caused the pain 
and the breakdown. Before we leave this place today, I just want to give you a moment as we welcome the Holy Spirit afresh moving through these aisles, moving in those homes. What area of your life are you still scarred? What area have you built up your own defenses and not allowed yourself to become vulnerable to a loving heavenly father who will never cast you out, who will never reject you. He'll never push you away. He'll never tell you you're not good enough. He'll never shut off his affection, his love. It's not conditional. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus has done for you. I just want there to be a moment right now. If you've never been born again, and I'm not talking about getting religion, I'm talking about if you've never encountered and open yourself up, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says this, that the Holy Spirit can only fill any space that we make available. He will not kick the door down of your heart. He will stand at the door. Jesus said in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens unto me and allows me and invites me in, I will come into him and my father and I will fellowship with him and make our home within them. If you're here today and you've never done that, or maybe you're watching somewhere in our region or somewhere around the world, would you take this moment and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Give him that space to move and he will move. Give him that space to breathe and he will breathe in you. Maybe you've been born again for a long time. Maybe you're filled with the Holy Spirit even, yet there remains certain areas too painful for you to even think about mentally or emotionally. Maybe like these two ladies, you were longing for a father and didn't realize it until the moment came. <clears throat> Maybe like these two ladies, it's so interesting when I get to see these stories, they were so similar. They both said some of the same things. I just didn't know because I didn't know. Maybe like these two precious ladies, you had an expectation that nobody could ever live up to once you have reconciled with your father. Nobody has a perfect father except those of us who've received the fatherhood of God. He's the perfect father. He knows how much love and comfort and he knows how much discipline and strength. Go with that, PL. You got something in your spirit? Just keep your eyes closed. Let the spirit go. So run to the father 
fall into grace I'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so I run to the Father again and again and again and again oh oh I run to the Father Now, Lord Jesus, we ask you to move in this place. Would you do me something right now? Everywhere, whether you're in the room or you're at home somewhere, would you just put your hand on your heart right now? Just put your hand on your heart. Father, you know the areas where we have gaps. You know the areas where we have holes. You know the area where we have pieces missing. And only you can fill those gaps. Some in this room are grieving because they've lost their earthly father. And taking this moment as we approach Father's Day of 2021, would you heal their grieving hearts? Would you minister to every person whose hand is on their heart right now in that point of contact? Would you bring healing to the physical heart? We speak to the auricles and ventricles. We speak to the aorta and the veins and arteries. We speak to all of the blood flow in the biological hearts of your people, Father. That you would bring healing to anyone who's been diagnosed with heart disease high blood pressure, heart murmurs, heart defects, pacemakers. We speak healing to the physical heart. We speak healing and wholeness to the the soul, the the mental heart, the, the, the emotional side of the heart. Right now, heal all those nerve endings that remain so sensitive at times where we've been hurt in relationships, not just parent and child, but any relationships. Father, we ask you to heal the broken hearts right now in the room. And Father God, we ask you to bring healing and wholeness to the spiritual heart, the core of our innermost being, the depths and of who we are, Restore parents and children. Restore teenagers with their parents right now. Any breach there, any breakdown, any gaps. Only you, Father, can repair certain things that have been broken down. And we ask you to do it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We promise you all the praise and honor and the glory. By his stripes, we are healed. My heart 
found a surgeon, my soul found a friend, so I run to the Father again and again. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend, so we run to the Father again and again and again and again. In a few moments, at the end of the service, since they both happen to be here, I'm going to ask if Amber and Natasha would be up at the front at the end of the service. And if they would minister and pray for you, maybe something they said hit you. Maybe there's a need in your heart that you didn't even recognize until something started moving inside of you today. We're going to have these ladies pray for you at the end of service, if that's okay. We appreciate those testimonies so much. Would you give it up for these ladies who have just really shared their hearts and been vulnerable? <clears throat> I could tell in those videos, you could, you could see it in their eyes, both of them, that they were on the verge of tears, but they kept it together during those interviews. And Ryan Weeby did such a great job to edit those together and just put that uh, succinctly where we could celebrate that today. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you, 